We've been asking for, the, for a revival. We've been crying out for outpouring for a long time. That day is done. It's time to begin to declare what we see happening already. No longer are we asking the Lord to move. We're watching the Lord do something sovereign, something unique. I was sitting with the Lord this morning and he just said, I want you to quit asking and start declaring because I've already begun to answer. If you remember the book of Daniel, there's this principle that we learned, which is that God can answer a prayer and there's a delay before we see it expressed, but the answer's already come. When we came across that in Daniel, it stuck in me for some reason. It challenged me with just the reality that what does my posture need to look like if I know the Lord's already released and spoken something? If I'm no longer asking him to do what he's, because he's already answered. So for me to partner with an answered prayer, I now begin to declare what he's already said. You see what I'm saying? So I'm just gonna do what the Lord told me to do, which is I'm declaring the Lord's begun to move. And I know that sometimes that can sound like charismatic rhetoric. I don't mean it like that. All of us are experiencing and sensing a weightiness from heaven that we don't know what to do with. We're like, this is, this is A, amazing. I don't ever want to go anywhere else. It feels like time just stood still. It feels like all I can do is focus on the Lord. I've waited my entire life to be part of something like this. I've longed for, hungered for, cried out, Lord, I just want to be where you are. Just want to be in your move. I want you to begin to declare it over your homes, over your workplaces, over the city. But there's a movement that we have to make in this as a people, and it's the, it's the thread the Lord has been weaving through the entire morning. If you have your Bibles, go to Nehemiah chapter 8 with me. Where we're at in history is the... We've, we've gone through Daniel, we've understood the captivity of the people, and the Lord, and, and the Lord had released them, and, and through Cyrus's decree, begins to release the people of God back to Israel. And so here we are in a pocket in Nehemiah where the people of God have begun to come back into the city and begin to replant the city and, and, and begin to rebuild and, and, and take ownership of the city again. And in chapter 8, verse 1, actually we'll pick up in chapter 7 at the end. Now in mid-autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled together as one person at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So in, on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the scroll of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people paid close attention to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. And to his right stood Mattahiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Masiah, to his left stood some other ayahs. I don't know about you, but if my name was in that list, I'd be like, no, you need to read that. I was there. So to honor that, we'll read it. 
To his left stood Pedaiah, Mishael, Micaiah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people, and when they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. I think it's interesting. The first thing I saw in this this morning was the water gates, the place they would go for both life and refreshing. It's also the place they would go to read the scriptures. I think for us, there's a principle that just lives there right in open view. There's both life and refreshing in the scriptures when we will go to them. It says, then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, amen, amen, as they lifted their hands towards heaven. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now the Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Masaiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peleah instructed the people who were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. And then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't weep on such a day as this, for this is a sacred day before the Lord your God. All the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. People began to weep as the law was, was read. Why? I think for several reasons, but there's two that jump out. Number one, they were hearing the word of the Lord and understanding where they had made their way wrong. They were being freshly reminded of their broken history, coming out of captivity, seeing why they had been in captivity. And so there's this sadness, there's this sorrow, there's this regret, and the words of the prophet to them are do not weep. The word here for weep is, to, is the idea of making a graven image. It is to make an idol is, is its most pure understanding. So I want to say something that the Lord's been weaving all the way through this morning. I would love to say it this way. Your history does not determine your future. In the kingdom of God, the heart of God is always this, that our history comes to a stop point and we hand it over and become something new. And so they say to the people, do not weep, do not grieve, don't focus on your past. It's a sacred day of the Lord, why? Church, every time you get into this book, every time you begin to declare the word of the Lord, it's holy, it's pure, it absolutely, there's an old word that we don't use much in our day, in our time, the word is consecrate, and it means to make something ceremonially focused and pure so it can be used for the king. I wanna tell you this, that the declaration of scripture over your home, over your workplace, over your vehicle, over your kids, all of it makes them pure, it makes them holy, that there's a kingdom practice that should be in us, and that is to be people that declare the word of the Lord because we understand it has supernatural authority to make things holy. But that's not really what I wanna talk about. And Nehemiah continued in verse 10. Go and celebrate with a feast of choice foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people of nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
How many have ever heard this quoted before? The joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to tell you, the way you've heard it is absolutely not what it means. When we look at this passage, there's something, let me ask you something. What is happening in this passage that's important? Anybody? The law is being read. The scriptures are being focused on. So Nehemiah's statement to them is, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay, so this word joy here means to rejoice and to be glad. It's a response idea in the Hebrew. Who does the response belong to in the scripture? Whose joy is it? Theirs or God's? So it's the, the gladness, the overwhelming response of the Lord. So it's his response. Catch this. So what we now see is there's something in this that is being shown here that we can actually participate in that brings joy to the heart of God. And this idea of joy is that there's an idea of transfer in this passage. That the joy of God is being released to the people of God. You catch that? You see the movement? Nehemiah will say the joy of the Lord is your strength. The word strength is really not the greatest translation. It, it, it's, it speaks well, but what it means is your hiding place or fortress. So the response of God is where you hide. Okay, wait, what's going on? The whole morning, the Lord's weaving this idea, and it deals with the fear of the Lord. It deals with walking Here's what I would say. The Lord has begun to pour out something unprecedented and fresh. And church, it is very much time that we, the people of God, align into the holiness of God in the scriptures. I will say this to young people. You don't know how precious this thing that's happening is because you're young. I was part of a a beginnings of an outpouring in my younger days, and I had no idea how special it was. But that outpouring was so significant that it marked a city and it marked a group of young people. To this day, they still talk about that being the moment in their life when everything was great. Man, I wish we could go back to that. The move of God will mark this city. It will not just mark our lives, it will mark this city, it will mark this region. And so for us, the people of God, I would say this, it is a day that we must consider the consequences of mishandling this move. How do we mishandle this move? If you look at the text here, it tells us this beautiful principle, that when we, the people of God, align with the scriptures and we begin to live them out, it brings joy to the heart of God. And so our obedience to the text, our willingness to live the scriptures, our willingness to allow them to sink deep into us and we pattern our life based on what his scripture says, that it brings an overwhelming sense of joy to the heart of God. And I would look at it this way. It draws favor from heaven when I walk in obedience to the scriptures. That there's a cycle that I, every time I read this, I see this cycle and it's going like this. As my obedience goes to him, there's favor, there's joy, there's honor that gets poured back out into my life. And it becomes this cycle with this momentum in it. And some of us keep truncating our momentum. We keep shutting it down because we're not walking in obedience to the scriptures. All morning long, there was this theme that the Lord was weaving throughout this, this time of worship, throughout our gathering, which was this invitation to step in. You could hear it in the songs. You can have it all, Lord. Take this life. All of me. So church, I'm standing before us today and just saying, we're not on the edge of what might be. We're, we're in the beginnings of an incredible outpouring. Yes. 
And I know it's easy to go, I don't know if I believe that. It's okay, you don't have to, I do. I've also been praying for it for 10 years plus. Some of you say, I got you by like 20 years. The reason we've been praying into it is it's the thing the Lord said when we began. I want to pour out in this region. I want you to begin to contend for a move in this house. I don't say that with any prophetic gusto. I say it as a matter of fact statement. The Lord has begun to do what we've asked him to do. My question is for us, will we be a people who can carry the presence of God? The presence of God was always intended. If you study the priesthood, you study the incredible elaborate nature of their robes and, and, their, and, the, and the, the, it was just, it's ridiculously detailed, all, the, all the, the ways they were to be dressed and the ways they were to walk. Why? The, people of God, the presence of God is always to be carried upon holiness. It's always to be carried by those set apart to the king. And so for us to be set apart to the king, church, it's super simple, it's not hard. It means that we grant the scriptures authority in our life and we begin to live them. We begin to study them. Well, I don't know what it all says, I know that. Here's what I love about the Holy Spirit. He has this incredible way of leading us and guiding us into all truth, is what he says. Do you know there's a promise that in your lifetime, if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you, he will lead you into all truth. You will lack nothing if you allow his leadership in your life. He will lead you to the moment of scripture, the place in scripture, the ideas that you have to know to walk in obedience to the Lord. Catch on to that idea. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. There has to be in this outpouring a reverence for the Holy Spirit like never before. Where we, are, where we become a people that are, that are actually healthily afraid of grieving his heart because we love that intimacy and that closeness, which means I'm putting away all things that he's already told me to put away. What if I'm doing something I don't know it's wrong? When he says stop it, then you move into obedience. If you don't know it's wrong, don't worry about it. What? He is God all by himself. If you read it in the text and you know it's wrong, stop doing it. If the Lord's whispered to you to stop doing it, stop doing it. It's real simple. Philippians 3 says you have the power to move away from sin. That was given to you with Jesus. That you actually, according to Paul in Ephesians, are seated in heavenly places. That you're actually already spiritually planted in heaven, which means part of you exists in purity already. So you just have to learn how to allow that part to trump this part. Galatians will say you will never have a decision in your life where there's not two opposing forces. Every decision, every aspect of you is going to have a, a, the desire of the flesh on one side, the call of the spirit on the other, and you must choose as people to rule over the desire of the flesh with the desire of the spirit. Because God is a God who so admires free will, he will never come in and do it for us. He always says, to the extent that you love me, long for me, you will govern yourself. Does that make sense? So the joy of the Lord is our strength which means as we the people begin to honor the scriptures and live into them, there's an overflow of favor that comes into our life. I'm excited for where we're at, I love it. Dr. J being here was fun. I, I personally kinda hate when he gives me words. Some of you are like, yeah, I feel ya. I'm like, 
I'm like, dude, just tell me at home, please. Just don't, just tell some, you get, hit somebody else at church. They love it. And I've been going back listening to the word that, that he spoke over us as a church. And as I've been going through it, the Lord's been very clear. You're no longer asking for something. You're now declaring what's happening. And my cry this morning is, what if I don't see it? He's like, declare what I've told you. Okay. I think what we just had this morning is just a taste. That the activity of heaven's being released at such a level. Some of you are gifted, you see the angelic. I don't get to see that, I just feel it. There is a move that God has, I, I actually believe it's been in the heart of his church in this region for like 50, 60 years. How many of you have been praying for a move of God in this region for, for more than 10 years? How many have been praying for more than 20? How many of you would agree with me there's something going on that's new and it's different? We gotta quit being afraid to declare those things. Scripture says we have the ability to call those things which aren't as though they are. Which means we can stand and look at it and go, hey, come on, think about this. You study the Old Testament. There's a cloud. It says it's the size of a man's fist. What's that mean? It means I hold my hand up and that's about all the cloud there is in the sky. And yet the prophet would say, this is evidence that torrential rain is coming. I mean, we live in Colorado. Weather's weird here, but I wouldn't say that. There must be in us the posture that says, I live from a different realm than this one. I'm hearing from a different realm than this one. I'm seeing from a different realm than this one. I'm declaring from a different realm than this one. I'm hearing what he says. I'm seeing what he's doing. I'm sensing his move, and I'm releasing it on earth because that's who he's called us to be. All right, that's all I got. Don't ever quote the joy of the Lord is your strength without understanding. The joy of the Lord being my strength requires I walk in obedience to the scriptures. It's the invitation of heaven. As I walk in obedience, he pours favor and joy into my life. How many would say right now, you know what, there's some areas God's been dealing with me on. I need to align back up with the scriptures. Yeah, me too. Let's stand. <laughs>